Um, they sang all my favorite songs, read all my favorite scriptures. I don't even need to preach this morning. This has been, this has been amazing and awesome. Uh, shout out to our newest uh, worshiper, Callum. It's good, to, good for him to be here, hearing the word of God uh, sung, hearing the word of God read. Now he's about to hear the word of God preached. Is this his second time in worship? Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, start them early. Uh, that's what I say, you know. Uh, bring them early and stay late, you know. So even when you're in your 90s, uh, roll them in, roll them in, carry them in. Praise the Lord. Isn't worship grand? Um, I, I tell you what, after Sunday, when Monday comes, um, I'm looking forward to Sunday again. See, I don't know about you. Some of you, some of you might be uh, just a tad bit ahead in your sanctification. But as for me, I, I need worship. If I don't, if, if I skip one day of worship, my soul feels like I've just like rolled around in the muck. Um, sometimes, Teresa and I, we, we travel, and it's unavoidable that our travel day is on a Sunday, and, and I really, if ever, do that. But even when it happens, when I miss, I, I just feel like, I just feel awful. I feel stained. And coming in here this morning, it was, it was, it's been one of those weeks where you're battling something spiritually. You're struggling to get back to where you know you need to be. And then you come in worship and you hear um, a song like, Our God, Our Help in Ages Past. That anthem of faith and what God has done for us from the beginning of time to now. And then to hear all we have is Christ and to see young babies in worship. And some of us that are not young babies in worship. Um, and just to see all of us worshiping together from different backgrounds, from different places. Man, this is what the kingdom of heaven is supposed to be like. And I hope when you came in here this morning and you saw this, you don't take this for granted because this is unique and wonderful, right? This is better than a football game. And I say that as a football fan, that we can come together and worship. Praise the Lord. Um, I hope you see how glorious and special this is because God is looking down from heaven. He's certainly smiling on us. All right. Um, <clears throat> this morning, we're going to dive back in as we look at our thought life. And we're going to look at the mind of Christ as it's seen in humility. And, um, and this morning also, uh, we have the Lord's Supper, a time where we can look to Jesus for help and strength through his presence in the supper that we're going to partake afterwards. So hear now the word of God, Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 11. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only on his own interests, but also on the interests of others. Have this mind among yourself, which is also in Christ Jesus. Let me pause here from verse 6 through 11. If you don't have this verse memorized, underlined, or other in your Bible, I encourage you to. Because from verse 6 through 11, it's the clearest expression of who Jesus Christ is. If you're talking to an unbeliever or a believer who uh, does not know who Christ is, take them to this passage and exegete Christ from this passage. This is, there's no other passage in the entire Bible 
that explains who Christ is, his mind, his heart, his desire for us, than verse 6 through 11 of Philippians 2. Hear it now. And more than anything else, this is a song, by the way. Ancient Christian writers tell us that this is actually a song that was sung um, and, and that Paul stuck it in here to talk about humility. But here it is. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Well, all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower fades. But the word of the Lord shall endure forever. And this is the word that will be taught unto you. Amen and amen. Well, let's go to our Lord in prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, indeed, this is your word. Please cement it to our hearts. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to hear it. We need you to apply it. We need you to live it. And I pray that that might be true of us this morning. In Jesus' precious holy name, amen and amen. Last week, we looked at what it meant to have the mind of Christ by asking ourselves the question, who do we think like? And last week, we said from this passage, Paul says that we think in two kinds of ways. We either think like we're the citizens of this world. And that form of thinking is characterized by pride and self-conceit. Or Paul says, we think like someone who is a part of the kingdom of heaven. And that way of thinking is characterized by humility. The kind of humility that Paul says in chapter number 2 counts others more significant than ourselves. It's the kind of humility that Paul says in verse number 4 looks not just to our interests, but also to the interests of others. Now, what I forgot to mention last week that I think is so important is that humility is not putting yourself down. Humility is not shoving yourself down in order to raise others up. I think C.S. Lewis said it well, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And I might add, it's by thinking of others more. That's the essence of humility. And so this morning, what I'd like to do is to look at how um, Paul points us to Jesus and says, this is how Jesus shows humility, and therefore, this is how we show humility. Now, let me say something from the, fr from the very beginning. Paul, Paul points us to Jesus for this one fact, that there's no higher example for, for what humility looks like than Jesus Christ. I can tell you this, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I fall into the trap of saying when I hear moral instructions, yes, I know I'm not the most humble person in the world, but at least I'm not like this person, you know, I'm, at least I'm not like the politician. 
or at least I'm not like the social media influence, influencers, or at least I'm not like this person who I know is full of pride, right? Does anybody else do that? I do that. I, I do what is called comparative theology, you know? At least, I'm, you know, I'm not the best husband in the world, but my goodness, at least I'm not out there cheating on my wife or running around or doing anything bad. Or, you know, I, you know I'm, I know that I'm not the best parent in the world, but at least I'm not, like, abusing my children. And here's the problem with that way of thinking. Number one, that way of thinking is faulty because the Bible says they that compare themselves with themselves is unwise. If you're looking at other people and saying, I'm, at least I'm a little bit better than them as a standard for how you should live your life, then you're in big trouble because that's just unwise. And the second thing is this. When we compare ourselves to other people, man, we set the bar way too low. You know, if I say, you know what, I think I'm OK because I'm more humble than the politicians. Think of how low that bar is. By the way, think of how low that bar is if we compare ourselves to any other human being. Paul, by comparing us to Jesus, lifts us up. Paul is saying, look, your standard for what it means to be humble, your standard for what it means to live a life with this mindset of humility isn't anybody else you can look at or think of. You know, sometimes if you think of a sermon or if you think of a teaching, you think, man, I know somebody who can really benefit from this. You know, and you're thinking about somebody else. What you should be thinking about is you. You can benefit from this, right? Because the standard isn't that you're better than someone else. The standard is, are you living up to the standard of Christ? And this is what uh, Paul is telling us here. Any standard that we put that's not Christ is so low. It's too low. We need a shovel to get underneath it, right? Now, some of us, we'll hear this and we think to ourselves, well, pastor, if our standard is Christ, we'll never get there. And that could be a little bit rejecting. You'll think, why should I even bother? If my standard is Christ, I could never be as humble as Christ. Then why do I even try to begin with? Here's why. Because in the striving, in the striving to be like Christ, is where we become like Christ. One of my favorite scenes in a movie is um, Conan the Barbarian, and it's right at the beginning of the movie. How many of us have watched Conan the Barbarian? I'm not telling you you should watch it. It's not like the best of movies. But I remember as a little, uh, as a younger uh, teenager, I remember watching the movie, and, and they captured Conan as a little child, and they put him on a mill. And it's, our, it's, it's like this little child with four other people, and they're going um, around this mill. And throughout the years, as Conan got bigger, it went from four people to three people to two people to one person. And then the scene switches to Arnold Schwarzenegger being like this big, muscular person, right? And what happened? What they're trying to tell you is through the struggle of pushing that mill, he got bigger and he got stronger over time to the point where he was this big, strong person. The same thing is true with God's word and following Christ. Of course you're not going to be like Christ, but in the struggle to be like Christ is where we build those muscles to be able to do the things that Christ has called us to do. So this morning, even as we get into this teaching about what it means to have the mind of Christ, I don't want you to feel, I don't want you to feel dejected. I don't want you to feel like you can never obtain this, so why even try? What I want you to say is, you know what, I'm up to the struggle. I want to struggle to be more humble in my life. 
I'm going to pursue this as a good. Because in the pursuing as a good, in the striving to be like Christ, is when we get to be like him. That's, that's the teaching of God's word. That's why Paul says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Because there's no other standard that's higher than Christ. There's no other standard as glorious as Christ. If we pursue him, we will become like him. That's the teaching of this passage. So, how is Christ humble? How do we see the humility in the mind of Christ? First of all, by him becoming man, that's point number one. And secondly, by him submitting to that, that's point number two. So the first is this. How do we see uh, Christ as a model of humility? First of all, by becoming man, by becoming human being. And second of all, by submitting to death. First of all, verse number six, by him becoming man. Verse number six says, who, meaning Jesus Christ, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. Now the power behind this verse, this particular statement that Paul is giving, is Paul wants to set up a contrast, a contrast between what it means to be God and what it means to be man. Think about the distance between God and man. You know, every so often in my prayer, I quote, um, a line or, or a catechism from the confession that says, who is God? And the answer to that question is this, who is God? God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in this being, full of wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. That's who God is. The Bible describes him as the ancient of days, the alpha and omega, the beginning to end. The morning star, the one high and lifted up. He's the one that Isaiah saw in Isaiah chapter 6 when Isaiah said, Hey, I saw the Lord high and lifted up and his entire train filled the temple. This glorious, majestic view of who God is. That's who Jesus is. And he said, that same Jesus who was high and lifted up, who is majestic, who is God in his very essence, looked down and said, I will become man. The distance from being God and wanting to become man in order to save man is what Paul is saying is humility. In other words, look at what Paul is saying. He's saying that even though Jesus was in the very form of God, this eternal, self-existing, high and mighty God, he was willing to become man. He didn't hold on to that status. Now, this tells us three things about humility that I think is absolutely important for us. And the first thing is this, that Jesus, because he had this humble mindset, was secure in his identity. He was secure in his identity. The Bible says that even though he was in the morphe, the form of God, the very essence with God, he didn't say to himself, you know what, because I'm God, I cannot become man. Think about the power in that. You know, some of the most insecure people in the world are prideful people. Prideful people are some of the most insecure people in the world. And there's different shades of pridefulness. There are some forms of pridefulness where people say, you know what? I'm better than you. I'm better than you. Anyone that goes around with the idea or the thinking that they're better than other people are filled with pride and deeply insecure. Because if you truly are better at something, why do you have to tell everybody that? And why do you have to act that way? 
Why do you find your security in being better? That, that shows a deep level of insecurity. The second type of pride, and it's the one we don't think about the most, is people who walk around thinking they're worse than everybody else. Have you met those people? There's nobody worse than me. There's nobody that's gone through as much as I've gone through. There's no one who's been hurt quite like me. There's no one who has to suffer through all the things that I had to suffer with. That's a form of pride. Because for them to change, they'll almost lose their identity. No one has hurt like them. No one suffers from emotional stress, um, emotional stress like them. They always have to have this idea that they're the worst person in the world. They're deeply insecure. The third type of prideful people is the people who always want to be different and special. You ever been around people like that? You know, it's, it's like every time you get around them, they highlight how they're different from everybody else. They think differently, and they act differently, and they listen to this kind of music that nobody else listens to. That's pride. And you know what? That's also deeply insecure. Nothing destroys the mindset of humility than when you and I are not secure in our identity. And let me just ask that question. Are you secure in your identity? Do you know who you are? And if you don't, if you don't know who you are, what do you consider finding your identity in Jesus Christ? There's no other place to put your identity. And, and what is remarkable to me is that Jesus Christ was so secure in his identity that he knew taking on the form of a servant would not harm his essence as God. But notice the second thing. Not only was he secure in, in his identity, but the Bible also says that Jesus Christ, because of his mindset of humility, acted in a very selfless way. Notice again in the passage. Not only did he count equality with God a thing not to be grasped, but the Bible says he emptied himself. That word for empty himself is the Greek word kenosis. And it means to pour out yourself for the sake of others. Selflessly. Jesus acted in a very selfless way because he had the mindset of humility. Now look, one of the scariest things about getting married, um, at least for me, was the risk of pouring out myself on behalf of somebody else and being rejected. Well, that, at least for me, that's what it was. When I thought about getting married, when I thought about having children, I said to myself, you know what? What if I pour out myself on this person? What if I do all of these things for this person and that person rejects me? I was terrified about that, right? Now, some of you weren't, uh, probably weren't terrified about that like I was. But you know what? I think sometimes, especially within the life of the church, we act that way. You know, every time we get a new visitor or somebody come in to our church, there's this fear that we're going to pour into them, right? And then they're going to leave. Or maybe we find a new friend and we think, you know what, if I pour into this new friend, what if I get rejected? Or sometimes we think, what if we help somebody out there? We give all our resources, all our time and all our effort to help the poor and do all these things and we get rejected by them. If that's our thinking, if we pull back from helping people and serving people and loving people because we're afraid we're going to get rejected, then we don't have the mindset of humility. Look at Jesus. Jesus became man. He poured out himself and emptied himself, knowing full well that there are many in this room, many outside here, who will reject him. He did it. 
He poured out himself knowing full well that there will be many who will name his name, but then worship him half-heartedly. When Jesus came to earth, the Bible said that he made himself a servant. In fact, that's what verse 7 goes on to say. He emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of man. This mindset of humility led Jesus to put himself at the mercy of everyone around him. Think of all the people that came to Jesus and said, Jesus, we need you, and he went. Think of the people that came to him and said, we're hungry, and he fed them. Think of all the people that he pursued who rejected him. Over and over again, we see our Lord pursuing this mindset of humility that is manifested in selfless love, even though he knew he would be rejected. And do you know what? He calls us to do the same. That's how we reflect him, Jesus Christ. It's by acting in the same mindset as him. Will you be rejected? Absolutely you will. If we as a church went out there and tried to serve in our community, would we be rejected? Of course we will be. If new people come into our church and we pour into them, will they eventually leave? Perhaps they will. But that's not the point of Christian service. The point of Christian service, the point of loving others, the point of having the mindset of humility is that we do it selflessly and we don't think about what we're going to get in return. Now, is it painful? Absolutely it is. It was painful for Jesus. But the Bible says that he emptied himself. Emptied himself. Now, I was talking about this passage with someone, and they said, Pastor, make sure you tell the people that by emptying himself, he didn't stop being God. Right? So I have to tell you that. I think I just did. Right? By emptying himself, he didn't stop being God. He did not. The way he emptied himself is by taking on the form of a servant, right? I had a professor that said it's addition by subtraction. I'll let you ponder on that a little bit later. But it's a powerful truth. But I want you to notice something else. The third thing that this humble mindset of Jesus becoming man shows us, and it's this. He acted without prejudice or disdain for humanity. You know, if you were God, ask yourself the question, would you even bother becoming man? You know, this passage was so scandalous to the church at Philippi. Why? Why was it so scandalous? Because they lived in a society of a caste system where there was a hierarchy. And if you were on top of this caste system, in no way, shape, or form would you even imagine going down to the lowest of that caste system to help anybody. You wouldn't do that. And so for them, they're looking at this and it's like, what? Jesus did what? He was God and he came down and became us? That's exactly what he did. That's exactly what he did, the Bible says. He not only became us, but he came to serve us. He came to be like us. I remember um, an astrophysicist one time said something that I just laughed for days when he said this. He said, look, Everybody's talking about whether or not aliens exist. He's like, I don't know, but I do know this. If aliens existed, they are so much higher than us, so much, so much more advanced than us, that if they came to Earth and saw the way we live and saw the way we did things, they would just leave. Because it would be like us seeing a slug walking on the ground. <laughs> and I thought to myself, I'm no slug, I'm pretty advanced. But, but, but to his point, 
if, some, if someone can travel or if a being can travel in an intergalactic way, why would they even bother coming to earth and, and spending time with us and, and, and walking with us or talking with us or learning our language? They wouldn't bother doing that because they're so much higher than us. And yet the scripture tells us that Jesus Christ, God in flesh, did not look at us with disdain. He came down to be with us. You know, so often in our society, what, what gets me that I don't understand is that even though human beings, we're, we're the same in our nature, we're the same in our person, we still show each other disdain. Now, you still have people that are a particular ethnicity that look down on others who are a particular ethnicity. Or you have people that are wealthy that look down on people that are not wealthy. Or more common in our circles or maybe in our society, people who are educated looking down on people that are not educated. It's interesting to me that one human being will look down on another human being and with disdain or prejudice. If I could say it differently, I'll say it like this. One lump of dirt looking down on another lump of dirt, right? Because that's all we are. We were created out of dirt. But here it is, God, who was high and lifted up, who was the very essence of pure reality, looked down and said, you know what? I'm willing to be humanity. I'm willing to take on flesh so I could redeem you. Let me just ask the question, are you, are you, do you have that mindset? Would you be so willing to give up all of your rights and privileges and status for the sake of others, to redeem others, to help others? That's what it means to have this mindset of humility, and that's why this mindset is so powerful and what Christ is calling us to do. Now, I want to end uh, with the second point by saying this. How did Christ show us this mindset of humility? By submitting to death. Look at verse number 8. Not only did he become man, not only did he suffer alongside of us, but verse number 8 says, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. What is Paul saying here? Paul is saying that our Lord became vulnerable in a way that he has never become vulnerable before. And that is so powerful. He, he submitted himself even unto that. He humbled himself, and he became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. In other words, he became vulnerable. The infinite, eternal, and unchangeable God came, stepped down out of heaven, and stepped on earth. And he was willing to be taught. He was willing to obey. He was willing to learn. He made himself vulnerable. He made himself open to critique, open to misunderstanding, open to needing food and water, open to needing rest. Think about how vulnerable he made himself become just so that he can save others. There's a show I used to watch several years ago called Undercover Boss. And the whole premise of Undercover Boss is that the boss of a company would leave uh, where they work or, or their ivory tower and they would go into their restaurant or their business 
and work just like the line staff. How many of you have seen Undercover Boss? Yeah, it's a wonderful show, right? And the thing that gets me about the show is, it, like, at some point, you could kind of see that this person is not actually a regular worker. Not by the way they're acting, not by the way they're, they're uh, conducting themselves. But there are times when the boss comes down and he makes himself vulnerable. He gets yelled at or she gets yelled at. They get, you know, they get put through the ringer. They work hard. All these things happen, right? They make themselves vulnerable to the point where um, they are pressed to the limit. And what happens at the end of the show typically? At the end of the show, they start interviewing people. And, and in the interview, they will either give somebody money or tell them they're doing a great job or they'll, they'll either fire someone. But they go through this process um, of, of rewarding those who had done well and disciplining those who hadn't. Now, let me say this. The point of that illustration is this. If they never made themselves vulnerable, they would never know to do that. They would never know to do that. If they weren't willing to put themselves in that particular circumstance, if they weren't willing to take the loss, if they weren't willing to be misunderstood, if they weren't willing as the boss, as the head, if they weren't willing to subject themselves to that level of suffering and punishment, there would be no way they can actually help the people that they ended up helping. But do you realize that Jesus, this is exactly what Jesus did. When Jesus came from heaven to earth, he came and he lived like us, he came and was subjected to hunger, to thirst, to pain, to suffering. He came and was subjected to all of those things. Why did he do it? Why did he make himself vulnerable? So that he might be able to save many. And the mindset of humility is a mindset in which we are willing to do the same. We're willing to make ourselves vulnerable. Now, what's the big takeaway? Here's the big takeaway. That no good can be done. No good can be done for Christ. No good can be done for God unless we as his people take on the mindset of humility. Notice right after uh, the Bible says in verse number 8 that he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. In verse number 9 through 11, it said that God had highly exalted him and given him a name above every other name. Humiliation, in other words, being humble precedes exaltation. It precedes it. There is nothing that can be done for God unless you and I take on the mindset of humility. The work of redemption, the work of saving us, the work of bringing us into the kingdom happened as a result of Jesus being humble. Now, I say that, but I also say that with this recognition. You and I do not have the nature. We don't have it within ourselves to be humble. We don't. None of us do. And this is what I think unbelievers get wrong with, um, with morality in general. You know, when I look at our society today, I see people wanting to do a lot of great things. I see people wanting to save the rainforest, and I see people wanting to feed the hungry, and I see people wanting to fight for racial injustice, and I see people wanting to do all these great and lofty things. But you know what I don't see? I don't see anybody good enough to do it. By that I mean I don't see anyone moral enough to do it. 
You see, in our society today, if you just have the emotion or the desire to do something, that equals morality, but that's not the Bible. The Bi it's one thing to have a desire to do something that's lofty and that's great and that's awesome, but you have to ask yourself the question, are you good enough to do it? I was talking to somebody recently, and they were telling me about how the, uh, all these things that they want to do. They want to, you know, they want to fight for world peace, and they want to feed people, and they want to do all these things. And I just asked them the question, are you good enough to do it? Not that if you're smart enough, not that if you're talented enough, but are you moral enough? And they were shocked that I was asking them this question. But you know what they realized in that moment? They realized in that moment that they were not. And so often, all of us in this room, and even people outside of this room, our desire for the good outstretches our desire to be good. Now, if you understand that, if you understand that your desire to do what is right, to do what is holy, far exceeds your ability to actually do it, now you're beginning to understand why Christ had to come. Now you're beginning to understand the gospel. Because the gospel says... That all of us, implanted in all of us, is a desire to do good, to love our family, to serve others, to change the world. But then you look at yourself and you say, I can't do that. I'm, not, I, I'm just not moral enough to do that. Good. That's why Christ came. That's why he changed his nature to some degree. Well, actually, he didn't change his nature because he still maintained God. But that's why he took on the form of a servant. So that he can give you the nature to do the good that you want to do. The mindset of humility first comes by being saved and by having your nature changed. Right? So for those of you that are inside you that do not know Jesus Christ and your Lord and personal Savior, that's point number one. You must be born again. You must have your nature completely changed before you can do any good. But here's the second thing. Even that is not good enough because as Paul says here, that the mind of Christ, getting the mind of Christ, has to be modeled for us, for us to know how to do it. And so even if you are a Christian, under the sound of your voice, you need to read this and see how Jesus humbled himself so that you can do the same. You can do the same. But it comes with you striving. It comes with you going after it. It comes with you relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, it will all be talk. It will all be going through the motions. Unless you are striving for this mindset, willing to be vulnerable, willing to humble yourself, willing to put yourself, uh, willing to esteem others greater than you, you will never accomplish this, and therefore, we will never be able to do anything for Christ. Let's go to our Lord in prayer. Father, we certainly thank you for this time that we have. Lord, this is a tall task for us as your people to have the mind of Christ, to have the mindset of humility. Lord, each and every one in this room desires to do, do, and do something wonderful for you, to serve you, to love you, to have this mind. But it cannot happen unless our nature is changed. And it cannot happen unless we are striving after it and willingly, willingly strive after it. Lord, help us to do it. There's so much that needs to be done in our world. There's so many that we have to reach with the message of the kingdom. So many that you have called us to love and to serve. And unless we have this mindset of humility, 
Unless we take on the mind of Christ, we would not be able to do it. And everything that we've done here, all the worship, all, all the singing, everything in your sight will be empty. Help us to do it, please. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.